The change log is brought to you by Pusher, a hosted API that lets you quickly, easily, and securely add scalable real-time functionality to web and mobile apps. Check out Pusher's real-time showcase at pusher.com showcase to learn how Gage's cloud app, Buffer, and many others are using the awesomeness that is Pusher. Join the real-time web and get your free API account at pusher.com. Welcome to the Changelog episode 0.7.3. I'm Adam Stachowiak. And I'm Wynn Netherland. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new and open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web, thechangelog.com. We're also up on GitHub. Head to github.com slash explore. You'll find some trending reposts, some feature reposts from our blog, as well as the audio podcast. And if you're on the Twitter, don't follow Changelog Show anymore, please. Follow the Changelog. And I am Adam Stack. And I'm Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N. Fun episode this week, talked to Brian Hogan and Joshua Clayton about T-Mugs and other text mode goodies. CLI goodness for the for the homies that love it. Yeah, I'm not sure how valuable this would be for the listeners, but I enjoyed it just to <laughs> chat about some ideas that uh, how to pimp out your your T-Mugs and your text mode apps, and I'm, I'm using this more and more in my workflow. Well, I know the entire team at Pure Charity has been a convert to T-Mux in your workflow, so I'm sure that uh, you're ahead of the curve on this and teaching everybody how to use it right. Well, you know, I'm just an enthusiast like uh, so many folks, but, you know, we're, we're doing pair programming so much since we're a distributed team, and T-Mux, it makes it easy just to, you know, share those terminals across the wire and stitch together five or six windows into one terminal session and, and uh, just pair program like that. So not only TMUX, but you also talked about Vim and some other CLI stuff. What else? Vim setup, so my Z shell, dot files in general, what the best dot file repos are out there, and some resources to uh, peek at other folks' uh, settings and you know, kind of roll your own. Cool, cool. And uh, we also want to thank our sponsor, Pusher. They're, they're awesome. They're good. And when I know you use them at Pure Charity, and we mentioned Pure Charity again, but uh, the real-time web is here. We, Goose, use them at Pure Charity. Yeah, <laughs> and it's some of our real-time views are um, things that we uh, build for conferences and interfaces, especially that we want to show real-time uh, feedback. We're using Pusher, and it's been a great fit. And uh, thanks again to the guys at Pusher for building not only a, a great tool for, for backing this podcast. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a fun episode. you want to get to it? Let's do it. All right, we're chatting today with a couple of T-Mugs users, Josh Clayton, developer over at ThoughtBot, and Brian Hogan, author, speaker, trainer. So Josh, why don't you introduce yourself for the folks that might not know you? All right, my name is Josh Clayton. Uh, I've been at ThoughtBot for about two and a half years. Um, I currently work on Factory Girl, uh, which is a replacement for fixtures uh, in Rails, and I also am the maintainer of Blueprint CSS, uh, which a lot of uh, people are pretty familiar with. A lot of Blueprint users. Well, you, Brian. Um, I'm Brian Hogan. I'm uh, an author of a couple of uh, web development books for Pragmatic Bookshelf, um, and um, I'm an editor there at the Pragmatic Bookshelf. And I also do quite a bit of coding and uh, training with Ruby on Rails. Awesome. So I'm I'm a Tmux noob. Been using it um, probably not quite a year. So how did you guys discover Tmux? Go ahead, Josh. 
Um, so, let's see, I was using MacVim uh, pretty heavily, about two, two, yeah, about two, two and a half years at that point. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't really um, focused on using a screen or anything like that. I had you know, been developing purely in, in MacVim, and then I had switched over to iTerm to run my tests, and a lot of it was command tab. I'm on a Mac, so I was just swapping between these two screen, uh, between the two applications, and it got really frustrating, and I had heard about screen um, and played around with it a little bit. I didn't particularly care for it because I was so accustomed to using uh, the different splits within Vim, and I felt like if I'm going to use uh, a terminal multiplexer. I wanted to use something that would support uh, different splits. So I could have Tmux in maybe the upper 75% of my window and then uh, a shell where I could run tests or run a rail server within the, the bottom 25%. I discovered Tmux through Nick Quaranto and uh, it's, it's been all downhill from there. I've been using it for a little over a year and a half now. So Tmux, we should say, is a terminal multiplexer to stitch together multiple terminal windows into uh, one, you know, iTerm window or app terminal app window. So Brian, what are the use cases you're using it for? So I'm kind of using it for the same thing. Uh, I'm doing a lot of work with uh, JavaScript and, uh, well, mostly CoffeeScript and SAS. And one of the things that I've got running are just the the background jobs for converting the CoffeeScript to SAS and uh, running tests and things like that. And so I discovered that by able, being able to use Vim in the terminal and then being able to split the window into multiple work areas, uh, it really is nice to be able to keep keep my eye on these different things. And so I can switch between different projects. And one of the things that I've become very used to with with you know, using Tmux is that I can actually create a separate Tmux session for multiple projects and actually stay on the same terminal screen but actually move effortlessly between each one of the projects. So if if something's uh, something comes up and I can say, well, oh, I got to work on this right now, I could just move my existing session and reattach to a different session from the same window. It's funny you should mention that. I'm using a project called Tmuxinator to unfurl mm-hmm. different uh, environments, and it's kind of like stitching together your own IDE for every particular uh, environment that you're working in. I've got uh, you know, day job projects. I've got uh, hobby projects. I also have one that just has all my... Uh, task paper vim to-do lists in a single environment so you've got a book coming out um from pride Prague in about a month uh yeah um it was something that i threw together we have the this uh pragmatic writing challenge that goes on in, in november it's we, we invite everyone in the community who's interested in just to come out and write a book over the month it's kind of like the the national writing month that they do for novels national novel writing month and so my project was just to throw together this short um, short manual on how to how to get the best out of Tmux for someone who's never used it before, and I was going to self publish it, and I had I had written a couple of other books for Prags, and I thought this is you know it's it's so much nicer working with an editor and working with copy editors and getting input from other people, and so I, I pitched it to them knowing that it was a relatively short book. It actually is only going to be about eighty pages or so, so it's really kind of this targeted focused book, uh, but they liked it and they decided to pick it up and publish it. We're going to do ebook only on that. But the idea is that it's just something that will take someone who's never used it before and just give them you know, some guidance on here's some best practices, here's how you maybe want to customize your configuration. And and I do talk about uh, Tmuxinator in that as well, as well as actually showing you how to do it uh, from scratch too. How many pages did you end up with? Yeah, we ended up with about just a little bit over 80, just a little bit over 80. And we're covering things like pair programming with it and uh, working with the text buffers 
Uh, and doing doing little tricks like extending it so you can say, oh, when I open up a new terminal window, I want Tmux to start instead of my regular terminal, or uh, I want to be able to maximize or minimize panes and things like that. So mostly like little workflow things that that'll make your life as a developer easier. Speaking of configuration, Josh, your dot files I think were the starting point for um, me and and jumping into Tmux and and configuring it to my needs. So, what are some of the things that you've done? that aren't stock with Tmux? Uh, so I use this uh, command called reattach to user namespace. Uh, it's available on Homebrew and it allows for uh, interaction with uh, the Max uh, pasteboard. Basically within Tmux in and of itself you don't have access to uh, doing PB, PB copy or PB paste. Those commands are basically a no-go with a stock Tmux. Uh, reattach to user namespace is a command that you can run that will basically hook into uh, OSX's bindings for a couple of these programs and allow you to copy and paste in and out of Tmux. Uh, so that's definitely an essential. Uh, one of the other things I do is I set up the default terminal to uh, support 256 colors. That's key, especially if you're using Vim. Uh, mm-hmm. Because with Vim, I mean, I want it to look good. I, if I'm going to be spending eight, ten hours in an editor every day, I want to be able to write code and have it look, you know, if not as good as Mac Vim, as close as possible. So I had actually written a Ruby gem called Palette. And what Palette does is it allows you to write uh, Vim color schemes with Ruby, and then it will go through and compile both the hex values and uh, the 256 color values so that you can basically use you know as close to a full color vim as possible within uh, vim, within vim running in your terminal so one of the things that I see in a lot of tmux uh, config files out on github it seems like I watch a lot of these um, the most common thing I see is to bind to screen uh, key bindings is that, is that yeah. irony or yeah. what? I actually, I actually do it. There's actually two reasons I do because I actually on my keyboards on my uh, Macs and my Linux boxes, I have my uh, caps lock key mapped as my control key, and so that my, my prefix is right. My uh, command key for the uh, prefix is right next to each other on the keyboard, so it's just caps lock A or control A, and that works really well because it's just right there. I can keep all my fingers right on that home row, and then the prefix is right next to each other. I've tried that a couple of times. Would you find yourself missing caps lock when you need to type all caps? Um, you know, those few times when I feel like I want to have some internet nerd rage, then yeah, but, you know, normally no. Have you no. bound it to another key as a No, I actually, I actually don't bother. I don't, I don't need to use all caps that often. And when I do, it's just I can hold on the space bar or the, space, uh, the shift key enough, and it's fine. I don't miss it at all. Yeah, I was, in the, I was in the exact same boat, and I don't miss it at all either. So, Josh, what's in your status bar in Tmux? Not a whole lot. I've just got the time, uh, the time and date uh, in the lower right, and then in, in the lower left, I just have you know all the different windows that I'm running. So nothing, nothing too fancy. I usually have all the custom stuff within Z Shell. One of the things that I've added is the Tmuxinator project name to let me know which context I'm in, as I'm because I run uh, iTerm two full screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice to go between t- tabs and in. Iterm, and then to see which uh, context you're in. But uh, for those that don't know, explain the difference between panes and windows inside of Tmux. Uh, basically, windows are conceptually they're they're different tabs, I guess, and then the panes themselves are the different uh, splits 
within, within one tab. So if you have a tab, typically I'll have different windows for different projects that I'm working on. And then within there, I'll have a 75-25 split for Vim, and then the lower 25% will be uh, either Z-Shell or typically I'll run Z-Shell, Rails Server, uh, Evergreen Serve, because uh, we're doing a lot of uh, JavaScript testing, and then Guard, which uh, we have enabled with Spark. So it, you know, it allows for faster tests. We've mentioned iTerm a couple of times, and the latest version ships with some Tmux integration. Have you guys played with that? I played with it for about 10 minutes or so, and then another iTerm update came up, and it said, oh, you got to recompile your Tmux again for that. It's still, <laughs> so I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm going to wait a little bit. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be really cool once that, once, that, once that all wraps up, but right now it's, it's, it seems to be in a lot, of, a lot of flux. You know, I was excited when I first heard about it, but I've gotten so used to Tmux key bindings mm-hmm. that even yep. trying to use the iTerm ones I'm, I'm fumbling about. So, so you were saying that you, uh, when you were saying that you actually keep uh, everything, uh, you keep your, your iTerm full screen, um, and I do that too. One of the things that a good friend of mine showed me how to do was actually put a battery indicator on the, stat- in the Tmux status bar. And so oh, I nice. can see where my laptop, you know, if I'm on a laptop, I can see, oh, I'm at, I'm at selling 17% or whatever. I better, you know, I better get going here. You shared your dot files? Oh, uh, that's actually, actually, it, I do have a gist of all my dot files for that, but also I've, I've got a section of that in the, in the Tmux book too. I found it to be one of those things that, hey, this is really cool, and it shows off a great example of how you can run an external program's results in your status bar. And you can set the interval how, uh, I guess, how often that paints, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just, I mean, the default is like a minute. I think it repaints every minute, I think is the default. I've got a clock in mind, so I'm a, I think I'm running yeah. every minute. So sometimes you're a minute off, but close enough for government work. Right. So we were talking before we started recording, Josh, about some of your favorite plugins. What are you pimping? Uh, so two that I use on a daily basis now are tslime.vim and then vim turbux. Uh, they're both available on GitHub. What tslime allows you to do is basically send various commands to a specific uh, tmux pane. So uh, basically when you set it up, you'll tell it to point to like the factory girl session and then the specific window and then a, a specific pane. And what that allows you to do is use a Vim Turbox, and they bind to Leader T for you, which, you know, I'm not too much of a proponent for. I don't like when uh, plugins go through and mess with my key bindings, but it'll bind to Leader T for you and allow you to run uh, just regular old unit tests, or you can run Cucumber scenarios, uh, and then Leader Capital T will run focus unit tests or a focused scenario. So there, I've seen other uh, Vim plugins that will allow you to run uh, tests you know, within Vim them itself. The problem with that, I feel, is a lot of times, especially if there's a failure, I want to be able to navigate through that and then edit code while I'm looking at the failure. And these, you know, the Vim plugins themselves don't support that. When I pipe it to another Tmux pane, I'm able to navigate and use uh, Tmux's buffer scrolling to go back up, look at the error, and then also interact uh, with the code in Vim at the same time. And that's that's really key. It's really essential to um, a very fast workflow feedback loop between writing the test, watching them fail, and then getting them to pass. You know, that's awesome just even if you're by yourself. But what is killer is you can have multiple developers, you know, pairing or even demonstrating code to 
other people on your team. I think the first time that I came across TMUX was a coworker at HP at the time, Justin Smestad, turned me on to it, and it has changed my entire workflow. We, on our team at Pure Charity now, pair almost exclusively in, in TMUX and BIM. Is that how you guys are using it too? So I can say that it was actually my first real exposure to it. I had kind of had it on my machine and had played around with it for a while, but I was working on a project with a, uh, a friend of mine, and he he said, let's just you know pair using Tmux. And I thought, okay, that sounds cool. And when, when he actually walked me through it, because he was a much better Tmux user than me, uh, it, was, it just blew me away with how cool that was and how productive that was. And all we needed was a really simple voice chat running in the background. We could do everything else we needed to do inside of that window. And that really worked well, especially like on connections where it's, um, you know, you have lower bandwidth, like a hotel room or things like that, where you may not have the best internet connection. And you know, you can take that a step further. And I've got this this Asus uh, Android tablet here with a keyboard on it, and I can use that to SSH into a machine somewhere else and continue to work. So I can keep this really nice light light footprint, keep my environment running in the ba- running detached on this server, and then connect into it from an iPad or a uh, other kind of device. That's really kind of cool as well. I saw you spreading the gospel with uh, Derek Bailey uh, on Twitter. I think it was this yeah. morning or yesterday. He was asking about pair setups. Yeah. Have you guys seen uh, Derek Bailey? I guess is from uh, Watch Me Code. I should uh, mention for those that don't know who Derek is. Um, but have you guys seen Pair.io? Yeah. So essentially, it's setups we're talking about here and moving into the cloud so that. Uh, you can unfurl development environments and not be bound by any one user's uh, bandwidth and move it up into a central location. It's a fascinating uh, idea. One of the uh, there was the the, the co-authors uh, and I of our web development recipes book did a presentation at a, a conference back in October, and it was a four-person talk in, in front of a bunch of people, and we actually used Tmux for that. So we actually had one person's computer sitting up there hooked up to the display. And then when it was everyone else's turn to show off the different part of the demonstration to do the live coding, we just everybody just did it from their own machine. And it was really kind of an interesting use of Tmux. We had four people turned into one machine. You know, it's I've gotten spoiled um, having my own dot files locally that uh, I've been bugging our DevOps guy to get uh, those up into our chef recipes <laughs> that our <laughs> shared key bindings are you know move from environment to environment. And I notice at Thoughtbot, uh, Josh, you guys have just a shared dot files repo that I guess everybody contributes to? Uh, yes, we do. I, uh, to be completely frank, I don't use it. Uh, <laughs> not to say anything again, not, not that I have anything against it, but I had gone through and basically tweaked my dot files, uh, and I continue to tweak it, and uh, it's just a matter of basically going back through and porting some of those changes over to ThoughtBots. The biggest thing is using um, uh, Tim Pope's Pathogen plugin. Right. And then yeah. using get submodules. So I have that all set up with Pathogen and submodules, and I have a customer test to go through and grab the latest updates for all my, my Vim plugins. That's not in the thoughtbot.files, and that's probably the biggest reason why I don't currently use it. You know, Janice was training wheels for me to get into Vim after we did the uh, Vim episode and the change log. And I'm finding after the, the latest upgrade, I'm, I'm very close to just rolling my own with Pathogen like so many folks are doing now. Is that how you run it, Brian? Um, I I have actually all my dot files are actually on my Dropbox, and then I have them sim linked into the different into the actual proper locations on the different computers that I use. And so, uh, and, I, and then still on that, I still use Pathogen to manage all the different Vim plugins. Um, 
And and so it's kind of this hybrid approach. But at least whenever I go then, whenever computer I go to, if I've got access to my Dropbox on there, I've got the most recent version of my, my Tmux configuration and my Vim configuration. And that's actually come in quite handy where someone will show me this new trick or whatever. I just do it. And I don't have to go to the other machines and, and pull things down or sync. It's, it's there. It's ready for me as soon as I get to the other machine. Isn't that neat? I love that. You know, we've been talking about Vim for... Uh, a lot of the episode and it's a big piece of how we use tmugs but i'm sure there's other text mode apps that you guys have plugged into your tmugs environments what's high on your list high on my list as of today is actually this uh pearl script i found this morning called uh i don't know it's ttyter it's a ter- uh, terminal based twitter client so i can see the uh the tweets come in and i can i can tweet right from uh, a tmux pane that's kind of cool Oh, I saw that uh, that tweet. Uh, I'm using Earthquake for the same thing. Okay, I like this because it was just so tiny and small, and uh, I could I just couldn't believe that it was like just one one little script. I was like, "That's cool." You guys make use of the Tmux clock? No, <laughs> actually, you've seen this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I use that a lot when uh, it's basically my uh, away screensaver. Of, uh, a couple of us are are pairing. Let someone know that uh, I've stepped away. It seems like a, a Big thing on our team is to attach to somebody's um, TMUG session. We're pairing, and then uh, when we end the uh, the call, to forget to hang up. And if someone's got a smaller monitor, you you see the the dotted uh, perimeter around your your screen there. And so, always having to call them back and say, "Hey, Lego Mago." Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to go down the uh, the offline IMAP and MUT route, um, but I'm still addicted to the Gmail. Interface, I yeah yeah. I use all the keyboard shortcuts. I use Ursi whenever I go into IRC. I just use Ursi. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's really nice to have it there, right there in the in the you know in a separate window. I tried um, myself. I, I do um, use HTOP quite a bit when I'm, especially if I'm on a remote server. I've got one of the panes in Tmux is another environment that I'm keeping an eye on. Sure. Um, I've actually been using Alpine for terminal-based mail. I like that a lot better than MUT. It's a lot more friendly if you haven't done like MUT before. Alpine's a lot easier to set up. It's a lot more like Pine, and you get the inboxes. And it seems to work relatively well with Gmail. But I got to admit, it's sometimes some tasks are just nicer to do in Gmail. Any other list of plugins there you want to talk about, Josh? I don't think so. I did want to. I did want to talk about um, an iTerm too. I, I've configured it so that. Uh, I've I've set scroll back lines to zero, um, so that if you're using a, if you have your hand on a mouse your hand on a mouse and you accidentally scroll up, uh, by default, uh, iTerm will allow you to scroll and then it kind of messes with the display. So I had turned scroll back lines to zero, uh, so that you basically can't scroll uh, with a mouse in in iTerm at all. That's actually a pretty smart move. I like that. I, I, it just drove me crazy. I'd been, you know, I'd been, you know, flicking around on the mouse, and I kept on scrolling up, and I'm like, I need to figure out a way to disable. It. And I spent probably five minutes digging through all the all the preferences in, in iTerm until I figured out how to turn it off. And so, so here's kind of the million dollar question: Do you have uh, do you have like the mouse mode stuff turned off in your Tmux configuration? Yeah, I don't use I I avoid using the mouse at all costs. Yeah, okay. Because it just slows me way down. I'm yeah, me- way faster than a keyboard. Me too. I, I I didn't and I didn't believe that at first either. I was really really resistant to that, and so I kept the I kept it so I could select panes and so that I could select and I could I could use the mouse wheel to, you know, to go back into the scroll buffer and enter copy mode and things like that. And mm-hmm. and yeah, it didn't take me more than about I would say a couple of hours before I realized well, how annoying that was. 
Yeah, I, I was like, I was defeating myself using using uh, using Tmux. So another thing that I do, there's a there's a select pane uh, yeah. command in Tmux. So I've bound uh, Control A to select pane, and then uh, you can pass dash T and then colon dot period, which will move forward a pane. Mm-hmm. So I can press hold down uh, Control and then AA twice while Control is is pressed down, and it'll start cycling through all the panes. Sure. So especially if there's only two when I'm going back and forth, it's a lot easier than, you know, pressing uh, the prefix and then J and K to move up and down. I just sure. use Control-A, Control-A as my prefix, uh, you know, to cycle through uh, one of the, just back and forth. One of the default key bindings is, is prefix O will do that same thing, too. Mm-hmm. So I actually have never, ma- never remapped that one. I kind of just always used O for that. I think it's kind of a weird binding, though. It's just it doesn't make much sense, but yeah. <laughs> oh? Another thing that I use is a, a prefix and then left and right curly. Yeah. And that will go through and it'll swap um, the content of each pane. So a lot of times, if I have, you know, I always run uh, a seventy-five twenty-five split for vim and then my uh, my shell. So if I go down into my shell and I run some tests, or if I run tests through Vim uh, with Vim Turbux, a lot of times what I'll want to do is I'll want to see the output on a bigger screen or on a right. bigger area of my screen. So I'll use uh, the prefix and then the curly brackets to swap those panes so that I have 75% of my viewing area is now able to look at the failing tests. Or another common case is uh, looking at a diff before I commit. Sure. So I just moved that up there so that I have a lot more screen real estate to figure out, so, uh, you know, what changed and, and get a full context of what's going on. It sounds very similar to something that I've done, started doing lately. It was actually the last thing that I added to added to the, the Tmux book uh, was basically the concept of being able to maximize and minimize a pain, and just with a little bit of a little bit of a trickery with um, creating a new window and then doing some swap pane. I create a new window. I have a little script that creates a new window and then swaps the panes from the new window into the other one. So you actually can just use a key binding to go up, and now the whole pane, the little tiny pane, becomes a full screen pane, and you can use prefix down to push it back in. And it oh, works. In a, it works in a lot of situations as long as you don't switch windows too much. Mm-hmm. If you switch windows, then of course it because it's, it's going to rely on last pane. So, okay. but it, but it's nice for those situations where I ran the test and oh wow, look at that stack trace and just okay up arrow. Oh, now that I got the full screen down arrow and all goes back. Oh, that's great. You guys nesting Tmux at all? No. No. Uh, I've tried that a couple of times. Someone posted to our, our chat room the other day, uh, Tmux Inception. <laughs> three, <laughs> three Tmux status bars stacked up. It's it kind of confusing. Yeah, I made the mistake of trying to run screen uh, within Tmux, and that was just that was a big mess, too. I don't know if they fixed that, but uh, basically there was no way to send. If, if the prefixes are the same, there's no way to send a prefix to screen versus sending it to Tmux in it. It was just a mess. There's the yeah. I'm not sure how that works. But I can get to work with Vim. I use because I use the um, I use you know Control A for my prefix. And there's the there's a configuration line you can add to the to your configuration that actually uh, sends the prefix through to the other app. Oh um, no, kidding. Yeah, it's um, and it works. It doesn't work for for me. It doesn't seem to on my machine. It doesn't seem to work for like Control A beginning of line in Bash, mm-hmm. but it does seem to work to send it through to Vim and other programs. Huh. But um, it's it's. Uh, it's not bind prefix. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's um, it's pretty cool because that's actually it's a, it's purpose for being there is for that. 
Are you guys always on the lookout for new config options on GitHub.files, or how do you find new things to try with Tmux? I'm 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 definitely into looking for things on on people's GitHub um, uh, GitHub repos for their dot .files, just because there's just some little neat little things that are these little one-offs that you never really think of. Uh, like, like one that I found, uh, one of the other ones I found from a friend of mine was just taking whatever's in the buffer, and on, it only works on Mac because you have the open command, but taking whatever's in the buffer and passing it to open so you can pop open a web browser based off a link you just copied. Just little things like that where it's, oh, I can leverage all these different little features of Tmunks that, that you don't really realize are there. I mean, you can take the entire contents of a pane and dump it to, the, you know, dump it to a text file, for example. Or and so those kind of things become really interesting when you mix them with different Unix tools, and you can just grep out little parts of the of the line or whatever you're looking for. Um, Who's got some of the best dot file repos that you've seen on GitHub or elsewhere? I I can't remember off the top of my head. There's but with, there's been some really interesting cases where I've found um, just by searching for like tmuxconf and GitHub, I found people's people's right. configurations buried within other projects. Let's be like, and it's yeah, like, wow, too. there's some really neat stuff in here. Zach Holman's got a uh, a good one, um, in a, even a blog article. Uh, it's been, I guess, a couple of years now. Uh, dot files are meant to be forked, mm-hmm. and uh, Holman dot files is a good one on on uh, GitHub. There's another one. Let me find who owns this one because I just know that their uh, GitHub username is four initials SKWP Jan Pritzker. So skwp.files is a uh, this is a very opinionated setup. It's got a lot of good uh, vim and and um, other config pieces in here, but it's it's very opinionated. It does some. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Josh. Uh, don't be uh, setting my my key bindings. He's got some very opinionated key bindings in here, but I've found a lot of uh, nuggets going through his his dot files here. I'm, I'm convinced of the statement that if you don't think that your dot files are the best ones out there, you're doing, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you know, that's a good way to look at it. So a, a lot of my dot files actually spawned from uh, Joe Ferris. He's a, he's a thoughtbot CTO. It's, they spawned from his dot files, but at the end of the day, I end up scrapping most of what was in there and just going through and finding the little nuggets because you know, a lot of the stuff that he was doing, I either didn't find necessary, I didn't understand what was going on, and I, I noticed that a lot of uh, a lot of things that I had in there were slowing, um, slowing my interactions down. There was some plugin from Vim uh, that slowed my Vim autocomplete down very significantly. So I definitely encourage everybody to go through and you know have their own dot files and just pull in little bits and pieces from everyone else's. Yeah, that's exactly like. And that's actually one of the things that I, I always kind of caution people about when they want to move the Tmux is, you know, don't just take some dot file and copy it in. I mean, really, you're going to want to figure out what works for you and 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 at least at least build it up so you understand what every one of those lines in there is doing. Because I've seen I've seen I've seen people get so frustrated with things. I've seen people get so frustrated with things like 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 Janus or uh, you know just any of these other pre-canned things with Vim, and they'll just get so frustrated with Vim. And and that's a shame because there's a lot of really cool things that an editor like Vim or something has to offer. The same thing goes with Z Shell. There's the uh, Oh My Z Shell that that repository in GitHub is very popular. And I'm not saying that it's bad or anything, but a lot of times if you don't understand what, what's going on in, in the dot files, you know you're you're probably going to end up shooting yourself in the foot at some point or another. I use Oh My Z Shell, and I've I've 
scaled it back to just a few plugins that I don't want to recreate, but uh, you know, the, you really need to understand what's going on under the hood or you're, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Exactly. You mentioned colors early, earlier in the uh, conversation. Um, I forget even where I cargo culted this, but there's a function, uh, color function that I got uh, from some blog post that basically enumerates in, in shell from one to or zero to two fifty five oh, yeah. and outputs the, the colors. Um, and I think I spent uh, Thanksgiving evening, uh, you know, just customizing my, uh, my Tmux color scheme based on, uh, that function output. But, you know, just even one of you mentioned earlier, you're staring at this thing all day long. You might as well make yeah. it your home. You guys had any problems with, uh, on Mac OS copying out of Tmux? That's one of the things that, uh, Josh was talking about with, um, like with the, the reattached to user session using that wrapper script. To, so at least you can pipe to PB copy and PB paste, and you can actually create key bindings in Tmux to take your um, your copy buffer and paste it into the actual system clipboard. Uh, and if you're using Linux, you can use XClip for that or some similar programs. But um, one of the things that I learned after talking with my talking with my buddy, uh, uh, my buddy Chris Johnson, was that if you uh, just use the meta key or the option key in your uh, in iTerm, uh, you can actually just copy that way. That's what I've started doing since I've found out that trick as well. It's um, does it do multiple yeah, lines? And, and that that can be unfortunate sometimes. <laughs> you might get line, you might get the line numbers right. in your vim or something too. So uh, just going to copy everything. But at least you know if you need to copy something quickly, sometimes that's faster. Yeah, with the uh, reattached to user namespace, that does actually work with the clipboard in vim as well. Yeah. So if you set clipboard to unnamed, then you can copy and, and paste within. Uh, Vim and it'll write to your uh, write to the system clipboard as well. Talking about a place to find great dot files, of course, GitHub is out there. But have you guys seen dot share dot it? No, I've not heard of that. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Let me share this in our chat real quick. There's a Tmux category. It doesn't have much in there right now, but what I do like about dot share it, it has a um, has some screenshots. So if you have a, a Tmux config, it's kind of hard to visualize sometimes what these changes will do, especially if it's a visual change. Uh, they have screenshots in that you can see this is something that you want to uh, pick up and put it in your own config file. It seems like a lot of folks on this side are big into Arch Linux, which I personally mm-hmm. have not used. A lot of the screenshots on this side uh, have a lot of text mode uh, MP3 players and things. We talked about different text mode uh, apps so beyond the Twitter client. And email, um, purely using Tmux for development or any sort of entertainment apps? I've used Piano Bar with it, and it works great. So Piano Bar is an is a interface to Pandora for anyone that's not heard of it. Mm-hmm. I've used that one, and there's a, uh, on Homebrew, there's a command line uh, interface for Last.fm as well. Uh, it seems like I've been using RDO a lot, and it requires Flash for playback. Um, but when I do want to listen to Last FM, I'm using that within Tmux. It's got a nice color-coded um, output to the uh, command line. And what I love about being in terminal mode, and now Tmux has kind of enabled me to wrap all these apps together. You mentioned MacDem earlier. I got tired of having to keep my color schemes in sync between the terminal and Mac Vim, and now that it's terminal Vim, it's just you know there. 
I never um, – I had actually used Vim back when I was in college and I used it for a few years as I was doing some Oracle database things. And so I actually never used MacVim ever. I had always – every time I used Vim, it would always be Terminal Vim. And, and so I couldn't – for me, I could never figure out what the benefit of MacVim was. Um, I, and some, some people told me that I missed out. That it, was a, it was a great thing. But I find it really interesting now that people are moving back towards that now with things like Tmux becoming more, more – uh, I would say popular with the – at least with the crowd I run with. It's just nice to have your environment on every machine that you want to mm-hmm. climb onto, you know? So, Brian, the book drops the 29th of February? I think so. Um, they're around there. I'm writing a book myself. I know how that goes. It's fun, isn't it? It's a, it's a process. You know, uh, at some point I'd love to have a, a show just on nothing but uh, uh, book workflow when it comes to you know, writing about these open source topics and how antiquated the publishing industry tends to be. I know Pragprog is probably ahead of the curve. I I couldn't I, I couldn't imagine working with any other publisher honestly, so I'll leave can't my say, name can't say enough good things can't say enough good things about them. So they've got a lot of great titles out there, and the name of the book again is well, we're actually going to call this just Tmux um, Productive Mouse Free Development. Productive Mouse Free Development. Yep. We'll be sure to look for that. Thanks, guys, for joining us. It's been fun to talk about Tmux and in text mode, and I'll be uh, keeping an eye on your doc files. Thanks for having me. Thanks. This has been a lot of fun.